supposed to clear things up in the MLS playoff race has only shaken things up even more. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, dude? How was Breaking Bad? Uh, well, I can't I can't say much, can I? Cause I'm not well, you can say it. it was good or bad. You know, you can say the final, like The final, the finale was good. I, I would say that. Anyone who, who hasn't seen it yet or hasn't even seen the show yet and plans on watching it, you're not going to be disappointed by the finale. It definitely, uh, you know, obviously there's been shows in the history that, recent history that had some pretty forgettable finales, like uh, Lost. The the oh well, Lost the last like the last half after, season of Lost was terrible. After the second season, that show was just yeah. No, I don't know. I think really? I, I, oh. I, no, I, I thought Lost was great up until like the last a couple of episodes. It just completely. They just didn't know what they were doing at that point. They're just making stuff up. Uh, Loss was bad. I thought uh, the Sopranos, uh, the ending was 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 you know yes. left a lot to be desired. Um, but this one, I could tell you, you know, it for the most part is a really good final. Nothing beats the end of the uh, Seinfeld final. That that was the best. I don't remember the final. You, what Seinfeld? Oh man, they all go to jail at the end, and everyone they screwed over comes back and, and crushes them in court. Oh man, you got to watch it again, Seinfeld. That show, man. It's funny how that show is still relevant to this day. It's 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 so great. Well, I was, uh, what I don't know. I would I would say for me the best final ever was uh, uh, this show Six Feet Under. Not sure if you ever saw it. No, I never did. That was the best final. I won't. I don't know if I should spoil it for people, but it, it, let's just say no other show finale ever tied up all the loose ends and, and all the characters' stories like that. Well, you know what I'm excited for? Since Breaking Bad ended, now since Walking Dead's come back, you and I could talk Walking Dead on this show all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a great conversation. <laughs> I can't wait. Talk about man. zombies and killing and all that. I don't think that's a zombies. I don't think our, <laughs> I don't think our target demo is uh, you know wants to hear about that. We'll see. Well, watch watch the comments for the show blow up with with Walking Dead references. Well, we had the last show. We talked about who would you take. Anyways. It hasn't, we could talk more about this later. I have tons to talk about, as we always do on the SBI show. We need to talk about the Americans Abroad. Big action for a lot of guys this past weekend. Of course, we're always going to have our Q&A and random banter at the end of the show. But the biggest thing this weekend was the MLS playoff race. This is one of the tightest races in history. Lots of teams still in the race. And a lot of big things happened this past week. The biggest game this weekend was on Sunday night. New York went to Seattle. You said that New York would not come back with a victory, but New York came back with a point in this game. Seattle did not close out the Red Bulls. Red Bulls hung around long enough, and Tim Cahill's goal, unbelievable in this game. Ivis, what a great result for New York in this. Absolutely. I mean, I got to say, obviously in our last show I said I did, I did not under any circumstances see them winning in Seattle, uh, but I got to say they, they, they impressed me and they surprised me with the way they were able to play. They did not go in there sitting back and defending, they went they went in there and they played. And, and, you know, for me, Seattle in the first half was better. Uh, but the second half, New York really, I thought, had, play, had the better of the play. And they could have easily gotten away with a win there. So they have got to be thrilled to get a point on the road and to do it without Terry Henry and Hamas Olave, two of their best players. So 
I think that's a big confidence builder for all those guys that were on the field tonight. And for Seattle in this game, Ivis, they, they seem to lack the killer instinct. Is this something to worry about, or is this one game, or, or what do you take from this from Seattle's performance? Uh, you know, I think sometimes teams just, you know are going to click every game. I mean, let, let's face it, they've been on an outrageous run. Uh, I think, was it eight of nine that they, they put together? So, you know, the, you're going to have those kind of games. Plus, you know, obviously it was a, uh, the weather was crazy with the rain and everything, so it wasn't, you know, the conditions weren't ideal, but you know, they could have done better, no question about it. Uh, and I think, you know, on a different night, maybe they do put that one away, but uh, that one could come back to haunt them because, you know, they obviously they're in, in, in the thick of the Supporters' Shield race. They have a tough schedule to close things out. Real Salt Lake won their game this week playing with a, with a team reserve. So, so the pressure's on Seattle now. Now they're really going to have to put, put some good results together against some tough teams if they're going to have uh, a real chance at the Supporters' Shield. Huh? And I guess you, you've covered the Red Bulls for the longest time. If they win the Supporters' Shield, first major trophy, obviously that would mean a lot winning the trophy. But for someone like you that, that's been around this team covering it since the beginning, I mean, can you put it in context of what would it, what would it mean for them to win the Supporters' Shield? You know, I got to say, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it'll mean something, but I, it, it won't. It won't compare to what winning an MLS Cup will, will mean. I, I just, I just think at the end of the day, that is what people remember. You know, I mean, I think if, if you quiz most people on supporters shields winner, supporters shield winners through the years, I'm pretty sure, other than the people who are fans of the teams that actually won them. You can't. You're not going to get many people who can rattle off for you supporters shield winners. It's just not as important or significant as winning the actual cup, winning an MLS cup. And even, you know, as crazy as it might sound, even like people, rem- I feel like people remember U.S. Open Cups more than they remember the Supporters Shield. And, and fair or not, that's just how it is. It would be an accomplishment uh, without a doubt uh, to, to for them to win it. But, you know, uh, it's still early. They still got a few games left to play. Uh, the, the schedule isn't, isn't brutal. It's actually, it, it, it favors them pretty well, but... Uh, as we all know, Seattle has some games in hand, and, and you know if they can get the most out of those games, they're still in position to win it. Well, and for New York, they'd be in the CONCACAF Champions League, which would be outstanding for them for an exposure market as well, too. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about exposure, but I think it does. I mean, they've been in it before, actually. 2009, uh, 2010. And that was a pretty forgettable appearance, actually. <laughs> yes. But uh, I think it would be it would be great for them as a club to just get in another competition, have that chance to 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 maybe excel on the on the international level. But you know, first things first. I think the goal for them is try to get that number one seed in the East. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's almost more important than the Sports Shield. You want to get that top seed in the East. Uh, that what you would imagine is a, an easier path in the playoffs, and you want to have home field in the playoffs. So. Uh, I think that's that's the focus. Obviously, the Sports Shield does mean something, but I think MLS Cup is, is what people are thinking about. Well, Ivis, uh, the Portland Timbers defeated the LA Galaxy 1-0. to This game was up in Portland. Uh, Maxi Oroti with his first career goal for MLS. Uh, scores on a set piece. Landon Donovan after the game, not happy with the way LA defended the set piece. And for Portland, uh, we've talked about it before. You know, they're, they're a team that, that the Western Conference playoff race is getting a little tighter, especially with the San Jose win over Chivas USA. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But for Portland, though, I mean, this was a big result at home against the LA Galaxy. And Caleb Porter said that, you know, he believes Galaxy are one of the best teams in the league. So for Portland, I mean, that, that's a huge result, defeating the Galaxy at home. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, L.A. had their stars. They can't really, you know, have an excuse there. I mean, I know obviously in other cases where maybe they've had injuries uh, and you could make a, you know, make an argument that oh, they didn't have their full complement of players. 
But this time around, they had everybody, and they still they still couldn't break through that Portland uh, that Portland defense uh, as stingy as it is. Uh, and Max Uruti, who look Toronto FC, we all know the track record. When the, when Toronto FC gets rid of forwards, they tend to do well no matter where they go after they leave Toronto. Mm-hmm. And this this is this kid looks legit. I gotta say, I mean, I I thought in the in, the, in his first start he showed some good signs, and now we see him score the winner here. And the thing with Portland is they, they what they really have lacked is a reliable forward, a reliable striker go-to guy. I mean, they've had players, you know, show some signs. Mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson earlier in the year, he looked pretty good. Ronnie Wallace. But, well, Ronnie Wallace plays kind of a, is a wide forward. I'm talking about the target striker. Oh, I see, I see. Your target guy up top who really is the focal point of your attack. Aruti looks like he could be that guy. I know Caleb Porter, just talking to him after that deal went down, he he was just thrilled at, at getting this guy. For, he thought it was a steal. And, and, our, and, you know, early signs are it's looking pretty good. And if he does move to be that guy, Portland, I mean, who knows what they could do in the playoffs. Well, Portland's showing really well. I mean, they, they've won uh, three out of the last four, unbeaten in the last four. They've won three. Uh, they drew one of those games. They're now third in the Western Conference. So, like, two points behind Real Salt Lake, Seattle Sounders. Any chance do you see Portland really rallying here to get that first seed in the Western Conference? I, I think that I think that's going to be a tough one. You know, I think, well, they do play Portland. I mean, I'm sorry. They do play Seattle uh, in Portland, and that is going to be that's going to be a great matchup. Uh, it's actually one I'm hoping I can uh, make it out to. Um, you and Portland, that, man. You and Portland. Hey, you know Portland. Who who doesn't want to go see a Portland Seattle game? I was lucky enough to see Seattle Portland at CenturyLink last year. Uh, so you know, I obviously love to see the other side of that and see see them play, see them host Seattle, see what the atmosphere is like at Gerald One for that. But I mean, looking at Portland's remaining schedule, you know they've got the Whitecaps, who look like they're they're DOA at this point. But you know, it, it, you can never just take it for granted. Then they play Seattle at home. Then they play Salt, Real Salt Lake, who they have yet to beat this year. Mm-hmm. Who really had their number. So, uh, it, it, and then they finish with Chivas USA, which you know you want to you want to think that's that's three points in the back for them. Uh, so it's a reasonable path, but that's two tough games there: Seattle RSL. Uh, so for them to close the gap to second place, it's in their own hands. But I think that might be a little tough for them to pull off. Uh, I was, surprisingly enough, we talked about this team, Philadelphia Union, and their struggles uh, as of late, not being able to score goals. They really haven't put any uh, positive results as of lately. But of course, they go in to Sporting Kansas City and defeat them 1-0. Connor Casey with the goal. Danny Cruz did a little bit of work for the goal, but Connor Casey finished. And for the Philadelphia Union, this was a huge, huge victory. A great opportunity for them to bring three points back because it puts them back in the playoff picture. And just with the way they've been performing as of late, I mean, this is just a huge result for them. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, not not only did they need the points... But they needed a performance like this just to show them that, you know what, they're legit. They, they, they can uh, uh, be a legitimate force in this, in this playoff race. And, and I, th- I thought it was, uh, you know, when I saw the lineup and, and I saw that John Harkworth was going with uh, Jack McInerney and, and Sebastian Latou on the bench, you know, it was clearly a lineup that was going to be a defensive group, mm. uh, one that was going to really try to, uh, you know, defend and counter, try to, you know, come away with at least a draw, but may, maybe nick a, nick a full result there. And that's what they did. You know, they defended well. They caught them on that one counter, scored that goal, and then and then they just played uh, just tight defense. And sporting Kansas, sporting Kansas City, at the end of the day, they had the better of the play. They, you know, obviously they were chasing the game in the first half. They were the better of the team, but they couldn't put the ball in the net. And 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 ultimately they were they just were not sharp enough in the final third. 
they didn't play well enough to win that game. So I, I know some people look at the game and say, oh, you know, they Casey dominated, Philly didn't come to play, they, they just defended. And, like, listen, folks, you're playing – if you're Philadelphia and you're playing a team that's – a stronger team, a team that's stronger than you on the road, I, I don't – there's no shame in going in there – playing a defensive-minded game, trying to catch them on a counter and, and get a, a result on a road. You do what you have to do. And, and they did that. And ultimately, Casey has no, can have no complaints because they didn't get the job done. You know, like, no, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't uh, you know, criticize these other teams for not wanting to play their game. It's like, look, Casey's a really strong team, quality possession team. And, and you, so not, not everyone's equipped to handle that and play their game against them. And, uh, and 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 at the end of the day, they just weren't sharp enough in the final third. One thing I do want to talk about, the field conditions there were, yeah. joke, were unbelievable. They're a joke. And, and I know fans there will point out that, look, it's been like that all year. But I, for me, I, I, it was awful. Like, I, I, I can't rec- – I've seen it be bad before, but not that bad. And at a certain point, you have to wonder how that affects the way KC wants to play because they're a possession team. They like to knock, they, they like to knock the ball around on the ground. How do you do that when you're playing the cow pasture? You know, it's it's just not – it just wasn't great at all, and I have to wonder how that's affecting them. Well, for the Union, this is a quality victory because their last three points they picked up was against D.C. United. Then you go back before. Vancouver was another victory. Chivas USA was another victory. I mean, they really haven't beaten the strongest teams. The last time they beat a playoff team was on June 23rd when they defeated the New York Red Bulls 3-0. Philadelphia is in the playoff picture right now, Ivis. But the outlook for the rest of the season, though, do you see them getting into the playoffs, and what can they do to, 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 to build off of this victory to get into the playoffs? Well, you know, it's still going to be tough, right? I mean, they're in position right now. And the thing is, uh, you don't want to write them off because with the result they just got, that's probably the toughest game they're going to have left on their schedule. Uh, Look at the last four games. Toronto FC, D.C. United, Montreal, and then Sporting Kansas City again at home. Mm -hmm. Those first three games are winnable, absolutely winnable games for them. So, you know what? This win definitely sets them up. And I said at the last show, I thought they needed three wins to get in the playoffs. If they could get three wins in their last five, I think they'd be in good in good shape. They've got one in the bag already, and they still and they still have Toronto FC, DC United left to play. Uh, so it's there for them. They, but but you know what? I still think their attack needs to step it up. And and I think I said it. I know I said it before. They need Jack McInerney to get on his game. I know they won this game without him. But I just don't see them getting very far if he if he's not in the lineup and playing well. Because you can only, you know, grind out so many results the way you did against Kansas City before it before it catches up with you. So I think they're in good shape, but they still have some things they need to work out. I guess Real Salt Lake defeated the Vancouver Whitecaps one to zero. This game was in Canada. A lot of people complaining that oh, Real Salt Lake's focused on the U.S. Open Cup final on Tuesday, which they should be because that's an automatic spot in the Concacaf Champions League. But you know, some people are saying oh, that's unfair that that Real Salt Lake stuck out a reserve squad. Look, I think most teams would kill to have Omas Garcia, Luis Gill, Jordan Alvarez, Brandon McDonald, Chris Schuler in a game. And, and and I for Vancouver, they played a horrible game. And I think at this point, if they can't defeat, you know, quote-unquote, Real Salt Lake's reserves, I don't think Vancouver deserves a spot in the playoffs. Well, the Whitecaps, they're toast. I really don't see them turning it around. Uh, And credit to Real Salt Lake, right? I mean, we all know that they have some good depth. But for them to, you know, put together, put out their reserve team and play the way they played, you have to to give them credit. We we know they have a strong bench, but 
for them to actually get it done on the road against a team that's supposed to be desperate, a team that's supposed to be fighting mm-hmm. for their playoff lives, and and, and Real Salt Lake did it. I don't know. I don't know if anyone should really complain about them putting a reserve team out there because a cup is a cup. It's if you have to choose between that and in one particular game, you're going to go for the cup. You're going to focus on the cup. That's not. I mean that goes for anywhere. I mean that's even in in European uh, in European soccer. I mean if you if whether it's you know top Premier League team or whatever, if they if they've got a Champions League game coming up, they're going to sit some guys. That's just how it is. So uh, you know if anything, Real Salt Lake has earned that with, with the bench that they have. They've earned that right because they know they can put out they can still put out a strong team. Uh, for Vancouver though, man, I, I you know I put, I think I, I put the stat out the other day. Uh, they're 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 like two nine and five. In, uh, from August fifteenth on, the past two years, and that's that's dreadful. And last year they barely got in the playoffs. They completely moonwalked their way into the playoffs last year, <laughs> despite despite losing game after game to end the season. Now this year they're doing it again. This year they they've you know they've kind of completely fallen apart. They have one win in their last seven matches, and and I, you know I just don't know if they're going to be able to turn around, especially when they finish the year with these four games: Portland, Seattle. Colorado, Colorado, they're done. Well, I think this also brings up a, a curious question. Well, first off, a lot of the whining I saw was coming from Vancouver. They were whining because they lost, but deal with it. But this brings up a kind of an interesting, just kind of a, just a, a topic of who has the deepest bench. You know, does Real Salt Lake? Does the LA Galaxy? Is there another team? I mean, who do you think really has the deepest bench right now in the league? That's a good question. I, I think it's, I think for me, there's two teams that stand out. One is is Real Salt Lake, and the other is actually the Colorado Rapids. And, really? and I say, yeah, the Rapids. You know why? Because they had so many guys have to step in early in the year That's true. and play and play important games and get a lot of games under their belt. That now they they're they're stacked with options all over the field, and, and so you combine that with some pretty good signings in the in the uh, in the summer. Gabriel Torres, Vicente Sanchez. They have depth up top. They have depth in the midfield. They even have depth in the back and the goalkeeper, Matt Pickens, who was once, uh, you know, pretty good starting goalkeeper in MLS. He goes and breaks his arm at the beginning of the year, and lo and behold, Clint Irwin is like the new folk hero in MLS. He's like you know, everyone's favorite goalkeeper. Uh, so you know, top to bottom, they are stacked. Uh, I mean, they could on, put it this way: if you had a le- if you if you made a league of everyone's second, like the every the bottom half of everyone's roster, mm-hmm. Colorado would Colorado, and we also like would have to be. At the top of the standings, if if those teams played in the league, but not LA though. LA has some quality individual players, but they're not. Then they're. I, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't know if they put out a full lineup. And I know they've done it in Champions League, but it's Champions League against weak teams. You can't look at that and say, "Oh well." You know that. You know these. Look at. Or, we also like did it in the league with their team, with their reserves. Colorado did it in the league for weeks and weeks at the beginning of the year when they were missing like an entire team worth of starters due to injury. So I feel like Real Salt Lake and Colorado's benches are more battle-tested this year than L.A. L.A. has quality, no doubt about it. I mean, take for example, they bring a kid like – they bring Jose Villarreal off the bench late in the game, a kid who would probably start for, for, for half the teams in the league. They do have quality, no question. But for me, if you're asking me which benches I would rather have, I'd, I'd go. I'm sorry, I'd have to go with uh, Real Salt Lake, Colorado, and don't forget about Sporting KC. Sporting KC's got some bench, some quality on their bench too. 
Yeah, I feel like we're uh, doing discredit to the Eastern Conference by talking about all this. Uh, Speaking of the Eastern Conference, the Columbus crew keep asserting themselves back into the playoff picture. They picked up their fourth victory in the last five matches, defeating helpless FC Dallas 4-2. The crew, big day for them. They get goals from their big three players, Higuain, Arrieta, and Aduro. Blas Perez made it interesting, but Aduro scored a goal right before the half. I think at this point, Ivis, crazy things can happen. Maybe Dallas could get back in the playoff picture. I, I could, I think you could say kind of the playoffs are done for them. But for the crew, one point out of the playoff picture, I mean, what a turnaround for them. Uh, it's impressive. You have to give Brian, Briss, Brian Bliss a lot of credit. Four wins out of five. Uh, Federico Higuain is playing some of the best soccer in the league right now. And Dominic Aduro, I mean, he, he, you know, we're talking about a guy, everybody knows about his speed. Mm-hmm. The thing with Aduro is when he's actually playing well, where his touch is there and his touch isn't failing him, and he's playing with confidence, like he's pretty, he's hard to stop. He's like nearly impossible to stop just because of the speed that he has. And, and, and just there's not a lot of teams that can deal with that defensively. So, and that's where he is right now. Right now he's in, in, in that, he's playing well, playing with confidence. So you combine those two together they create so much for the other guys on that team. So uh, they, they're they're a handful right now. And, and looking at the remaining schedule for Columbus, I mean, they they you know they have Sporting KC, which is not going to be an easy one. Uh, but then they have back to back games against the Colorado, uh, the New England Revolution, another team chasing the playoff. Actually, they're tied exactly tied right now. Columbus has played one more game, but New England. New England has uh, has just as many points as them, so it's not it's not an, I, I, it's not an easy road yet for Columbus. There, I wouldn't say they're in yet, but the way they're playing right now, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if they got in. Well, Duro's having quite the season. He's already tied his his career high in goals for the regular season with twelve. He did that with the Chicago Fire in two thousand eleven, and we've talked about this with the Columbus Crew. I mean, clearly they have an impressive attack with, with those three with their three big players. I think the defense has lacked at times. They, they, their clearing ability and, and their positioning hasn't been the greatest. But with the way the crew are playing, let's just say, Ivis, let's just say in a perfect world, the crew make the playoffs and, and, and they're able to keep the form that they have now. How dangerous can they be in the playoffs? Excuse me. Uh, they, they'll, they'll be a tough team, no doubt about it. But uh, you know what? I, I, Could they make saying. noise? Could they go on a run? Uh, that's a tough one, man. I, I, it's hard to say because I mean, it's when you look at the, the games that they in, in this run that they put on now, right? They they've won three, they won four or five games. Look at the team. Let's see the teams. They they beat Houston, right? And Houston obviously was in a really bad funk at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lose to KC, and then they beat a Montreal team that's in a slump. Uh, Chicago, uh, Chicago, the fire team that drew a red card early in that game, and that really changed things there. And then the FC Dallas team that's DOA right now that's just not showing much at all. So, I mean, you give them credit for the wins, but this Kansas City game is going to tell us a lot, I think. You know, obviously, when they played in KC, they got spanked 3-0. Now they get them at home. That game's going to say a lot because if they can go in that game and make it a game, get a tie or even a win, if they if they beat Kansas City, they, they're in great position for a playoff spot mm-hmm. because then you have a home-and-home home against New England. Uh, and just the, with the form they're on, if they can beat Kansas City, just the confidence that they're going to have, then you like their chances. But that game is going to tell us a lot because if Kansas City puts them back in their place, if Kansas City beats them in Columbus, then then you can say, oh, maybe maybe it's a lot to ask. But if they get in, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, obviously in the past we've had teams make runs out of the wild card spot. But, you know, if they have to play Houston, 
in the playoffs, I'm sorry, but my money's on the Houston, on the Houston Dynamo, Dom Kinnear, always in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, the Chicago Fire miss out on a big opportunity to pick up three points, hosting the Montreal Impact. Mike McGee, uh, late in the game, missed a PK, hit the cross part, bounced out. It would have been his third goal in the game, scored two goals earlier uh, than the Montreal Impact. Go back and equalize the game. 2-2 two to two was the final result. And for the Chicago Fire, I mean, this was just a terrible loss because the Union get a victory, the crew get a victory. And now that brings up the question with the way that the crew and now the Union getting a victory, I mean, the Chicago Fire, I mean, do they have any chance to, to, to rally here and, and be able to keep pace with, with the way the other teams are performing in the Eastern Conference? Well, I wouldn't say they're out of it yet. I mean, they're only two points out of a playoff spot. So that's, I mean, it's still there. It's still there for the taking. But, yes, they definitely cost themselves. I mean, they left two points on the table. They they absolutely outplayed Montreal. They should have won that game. They didn't finish their chances. They uh, a P, they missed the PK. And at that point in the game, Mike, Mike McGee gets his penalty kick saved. I mean, that if if he converts that three to one, game over. But he misses that, and they missed a few other chances. Left the door open. Credit to Montreal. They pounced. They got. They walk away with a road point. So right now, if, you, if you're Frank Lopez, you, you you're kicking yourself because you know. You let a great chance get away. And, yes, I mean, looking at their remaining schedule, I, I don't know if anyone has an easier schedule than they do. I mean, That's true. DC, they have, they have, they're playing D.C. United on Friday, which is uh, three days after the U.S. Yeah. Open Cup final. So they're either going to get a D.C. United team that's hungover after celebrating a huge upset in the Cup final. <laughs> whoa, or, whoa, already or, with the prediction. No, I said it's either or. Or they're going to be playing a dejected D.C. United team coming off a, an Open Cup loss. Uh, and knowing their season is now effectively over. So either way, I mean, you got to like their chances against D.C. Then they play FC Dallas, who by that point, I mean, they're, 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 they're looking ahead to the winter because they, they, they've blown their chance. They, 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 every, the, the early part of the year when they couldn't lose, it's hard to remember that time now. And then they play Toronto FC. So right there, Chicago Fire. Three games they absolutely can and should win. So they got no excuses in those three games to get the points they need. Uh, for me, I think they have to get all nine points out of those three. But let's just say they can get – if they can get seven points out of that, uh, you, you know, you don't want to go into that last game against the New York Red Bulls needing too much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they get those three wins, which they – you know what? The quality they have on that team, they absolutely should get those those three wins. If they get those three wins, for me, they're going to get in the playoffs. Another game in the Eastern Conference that had big playoff implications. New England Revolution, Houston Dynamo played to a one-to-one draw. Uh, both teams would have obviously loved to come away with three points in this game, but the Houston Dynamo able to pick up a point, uh, advancing them a little bit higher in the playoff race in the Eastern Conference. And the New England Revolution, I mean, very tough for them to, to not be able to defeat the Dynamo at home. Well, that anyway, if you watch the game, you know New England – uh, had the better chances. They were the better team on the day, but they just couldn't put put the chances away. And, and credit to Houston, they got that they got the goal they needed to get a point out of there. They didn't play well by any means, but uh, the, as we've said before, the good teams find a way to win or find a way to get the points they need, even when they don't play well. And that was I, I would chalk this up as a game they did not play well. Um, you know, when you want to talk about momentum and whatnot, I think when they'll get back home and then they'll have their chance to kind of set the tone. They still have some tough games to play, but I, I, you know, I have to like the Houston Dynamo's chances to to get the points they need to not only get in the playoffs, but I think they're going to hold on to that number four spot. 
And I just New England, I mean, a few months ago, I'm sorry, not a few months ago, a few weeks ago, New England looked like a sure, for sure playoff team, but they've kind of had an up and down ride ever since then. I mean, what can they do in these final games to right the ship and get into the playoffs? It's a tough one. I mean, I, I don't know if I ever saw them as a lock playoff team. I, I don't know how realistic that ever was. Uh, but yes, I mean, they're, they've only won one of their last five games, so that that's clearly uh, dropping points now. They're on a bit of a bad run. Uh, it, the schedule they have left, I mean, they, New England has New York in New York on Saturday, and that's never an easy proposition. Red Bull's really tough at home, so it's hard to see them getting points out of that. Then you have Montreal, and then you have that home-and-home against Columbus, who's playing so well right now. So mm-hmm. it, New England's in a tough spot. I didn't see them making the playoffs, even when they were in playoff position. I just thought, as a, I think they're a young team. I think they're a team that still has to learn and, and kind of go through this, and then next year maybe have a have a much better kind of understanding of how to close the season, regular season out and finish strong. I don't think this is their year. So I think they're going to fall short. But you know what? i got to say, they're a fun team to watch. When you think about where they are right now, compared to where they were a year ago, or even the last few years, it's clear that they've made progress this year. And even if they don't make the playoffs, I still think you have to give them some credit, you have to give Jacob some credit, that they've taken that step up to actually show progress, make some good signings, have some some of their young players develop and actually excel. The guys like Kellen Rowe and Diego Fagundes who've really come into their own and blossomed. So you have to start you have to feel good about the future there. But I'd say for right now, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to get in. Well, I was going to say that. Talk, can you talk a little bit about Jay Heaps and what he's been able to do? Because we've seen this now. New England, the way they've progressed from last year to this year and with all their young players, I mean, he's done an impressive job up in New England. Well, I mean, he's done okay. All right? I mean, let, let, let's, let's not give him a ton of Like, let's not say he's not winning, uh, winning the league. He's not even doing what Caleb Porter's doing in Portland. Oscar Prey is doing in Colorado. He's done a decent job, and, and I think if anything, he's shown some growth from last year to this year, uh, as the team has shown growth. Now we're talking about a guy who had no coaching experience when he took the job, so there were going to be some growing pains there. And maybe now he's developing as a coach, so he, he's getting he's getting more out of his team. Uh, so I think next year is going to be the you know the real time to tell. Because I mean I think he'll be back. I, I don't see any reason why uh, you know why they're going to you know part ways with Jay Heaps. I think if, I think he'll be back next year, but. I think next year will be a good year to see what they do this winter as far as signings and, and how some of these younger guys who've, who've had their breakout seasons, how they continue to improve. So I, th- I think I think next year is going to say a lot about that team. Uh, DC United sent up a mostly reserved league squad against Toronto up in Canada over the weekend. It should come as no surprise because DC has pretty much nothing to play for except for the U.S. Open Cup final on Tuesday. Toronto FC took care of business, defeating them 4-1. to one, And uh, DC, I will... Most, I think they officially finish the league as the finish the season as the worst team in MLS this past year. But if they defeat Real Salt Lake on Tuesday, then uh, the season will have a, a nice little uh, nice little finish for them. Well, I'll say this: anyone who had to watch that game probably uh, you know probably hates life right now because that, that was a pretty bad game. Uh, that DC United, the lineup they put out there for that game had to be clearly, easily one of the worst teams I've ever seen uh, in an MLS game. Credit to Toronto. I, I said it last time, at last at last show. I said they need to crush this team because there's no excuses. Like this is a, Toronto's going to have you know a pretty strong team. They're going to play a DC reserve team. They have to, to crush them, and they did. Uh, the only one thing I would like to talk about: Bright DK looked good in this game. And yes, it was against the DC ODP team, 
But still, after the injury, <laughs> the injury nightmare. He's ODP had, team. <laughs> well, dude, I'm telling you, like that. It was serious. I mean, I mean, it was a young I love team. It. I love it. Not a, not a lot of experience, but but again, bright DK. He's been through a lot with the injuries, and then he gets traded. So for him to come out there, I, I, I thought it was great to see him kind of put his stamp on this game and show that, hey, you know what? I'm here to play. I can I can be an impact player. I can I can I can make that trade be more more than just another bad TFC trade. Now I still think I still think Portland got the better of it. I, I still think Max Arudi is going to end up being a real real gem for Portland. But folks, folks that follow TFC, I wouldn't I wouldn't just assume that that, that DK is not going to give you anything. I think Bright DK actually can offer quite a bit. How long before Toronto gets rid of him though? Nah, that's a question. <laughs> you never know. When it comes to forwards, they uh, it's a nice revolving door they got there. So, yeah, he, uh, nah, he'll be he'll be fine. I think he, he's he's a guy who's easy to root for. He's he's a hardworking guy. He, he he's a strong uh, strong target forward type that you know I think Ryan Nelson likes. And and of course he's he's not a, he doesn't have a big salary cap number. So I think he'll be back there and hopefully he puts together a good year. And in the final game on Sunday, Goonies never say die. San Jose gets a victory over Chivas USA. Chris Wondolowski with the 87th minute goal. Chivas USA, we talked about this on the last show, very pesky at home, very difficult to beat at home. San Jose takes care of business. And Ivis, they are one point out of the Western Conference. Colorado was on a bye. And uh, for San Jose, I mean, do you see any chance that they'll find a way to get into the playoffs? It's about there's a chance, no question about it. I mean, they, you know, this was a big win for them. I mean, it's crazy because they were a man down because someone, and I'll let you figure out who oh, got a red, got a red card, got a red card. What what San Jose player would you bet on getting a red card if I told you one of them got a red card? Uh, Alan Gordon, Clarence you Goodson. Suck. You, suck. <laughs> you suck. You suck at this game. <laughs> oh come on, it's Lenhart. It's obvious. Well, yes, Stephen Lenhart, everyone's favorite villain. Uh, got a second yellow for going in elbow first on Dan Kennedy, uh, and uh, you know promptly getting sent off. And and even with the with the man disadvantage, San Jose gets a, gets a, it's a win. Uh, and it was it was it was weird to see because basically they won. Alan Gordon took a long range shot. It knuckled and it fooled Dan Kennedy. He didn't catch it cleanly. It bounces off him, spills right to Chris Wondolowski, who's always in the right place at the right time. He he finishes it off. Gets the late winner in a game that was absolutely awful. I mean, it, 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 it was worse than the Toronto DC game. It was just—it was so bad. The announcers on Unimas, the Spanish station that showed it, uh, couldn't help but make fun of the game. And this is a game they're actually like selling, like they're—they're they're, they're working the game, and they couldn't help themselves because it was just an atrocious game. San Jose won't care. They got the win, and now the, and they're still alive in the playoffs. They're right there in the doorstep. Uh, Colorado's a point ahead and has a game in hand, so. There's still some work to be done, but San Jose, they, you know, the, the confidence that they have to have regained now here, putting putting this run run of results together, uh, it, it's impressive. And then again, we have another situation: a coaching change helped turn things around. Uh, you know, obviously Columbus, we we've seen that, and that, and that San Jose, you know, Frank Gallup leaves and Mark Watson comes in, and he's done a pretty good job there. So they're not in yet, but they absolutely have a chance because Colorado's got some tough games to play at the at the end of the season. 
Well, there it was, the whole MLS weekend's action. On Tuesday, as we said, the U.S. Open Cup final is going to be at Rio Tinto up in Salt Lake. I am in Salt Lake, Ivis. I'm very excited to go to the game and and cover it as a neutral journalist on Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, Any chance that D.C. comes here and defeats Real Salt Lake? I wouldn't bet on it, but anything is possible. Uh, I think D.C., they're going to go in with that attitude that they've got nothing to lose. You know, they're a young team. No one expects them to win. Um, but it's going to be tough, you know. I mean, they're going to go there. they got to play in the altitude. They're going to be playing a confident Real Salt Lake team. Who's rested. Who's, who's rested. I mean, both teams are rested. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think Salt Lake's going to win. I mean, I, I don't really see a reason to think that they wouldn't win that game. I mean, other than history, which has shown them not to – necessarily do so hot in at home in big games they've actually mm-hmm. uh not delivered in big games well that's because you were at those games though exactly so i'm not there so they have a chance so now now it's your turn to <laughs> either be the jinx or be the lucky a lucky charm for them so uh it's it's gonna be a good matchup I mean, there's some good good guy you know Dwayne de rosario is gonna be there he's, he's gonna have a chance to make some things happen luis silva's been playing well chris Pontius, we'll see, see how he does in this game i just think Real Lake's too strong too deep and 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 the experience that they have uh, is going to give them that edge in that game. Let's say we also like wins, which would be huge for them. They get back into the Concacaf Champions League. The rumors are out there that Christ is being is being. The new New York team is talking to Christ. Let's say that Real Salt Lake wins. I mean, does that prompt Christ to stay, or, or do you see possibly he, him still moving on? I mean, what do you think would happen pending the result of this match with with his decision of where he would coach next or or, or stay with Real Salt Lake? I really don't think the result makes a difference. And that's the thing. I think you're looking at it completely wrong. This is a cup final. There's a cup. There's a trophy on the line. It's not about the Champions League berth. You keep mentioning that as if that's the prime objective here. It absolutely is not. It's a cup. It's something you can put in your trophy case and have forever and say, we won, a, we won this together. That's what matters. That's what they're playing for. That's what's going to be the takeaway from this game. Not a Champions League spot. If they win this game, I don't, win or lose, I don't think it's going to matter. It's going to matter as far as whether Jason Christ uh, stays or goes. If anything, I think winning a trophy, winning at least one trophy, uh, may, will make it a little easier for him to walk away because he can walk away having won yet another piece of silverware for that team. Um, so you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to make a difference. I wait, think, if it, I think it make it a little easier for him if wait, they won. Don't you realize that I'm also on the Concacaf's payroll too? How did you not know this? No, I know you're on Real Salt Lake. Or they just give you free gear. I can't figure out which one. Oh yeah, yeah, right. That's a, that's a that's a freaking all that RSL swag you wear. Oh my god, let me tell you, man. It's been so okay. We I don't have you know cold weather clothes. I've been freezing up here. I have like you know like my hoodie and like a cardigan. Oh my, I've been dying up here, man. It's been so cold. It snowed on Friday. I they they did not give me any like Arsene Wenger you know gear or anything like that. <laughs> No puffy coats for you? No, no, they did not. They, I think they gave me a towel and said, here you go. Um, Ivis, Americans abroad, some big news uh, in Europe and down in Mexico for a lot of the Americans. Aaron Johansson scores again. I mean, it's been amazing, the run that he's been on since the start of the season. It's incredible. I mean, it, you know, I know some people keep saying, it, oh, it's Dutch league, doesn't matter. He can score 50 in the Dutch league, it's still the Dutch league. He is playing well. He's playing with a lot of confidence, and he did it against PSV. And that was my thing going into this game was, hey, he has scored some goals against some weaker teams with some funky names you've never heard of before that are probably going to be in the lower half of the table in the Eredivisie. He did it. He scored the winner against PSV. 
that's where you that's where you really get measured. How you do against the big teams, Ajax, PSV, Twente. Those are the teams that you got to step it up and score the goals against. Josie Altidore did it, and now Johansson's done it. Now he, he scored that goal that's big for them. Although it's a little weird now. Ajax, they win that game, they upset PSV, and then they fire the coach. Uh, you know, supposedly, he, I don't know if he was having a problem with the players. I don't know what was going on, but he, Gerchen Verbeek, the coach who has the magic touch when it comes to American players, the guy who coached Michael Bradley at Heronvane, obviously he coached Josie Altidore, and now he's coached Johansson. All these guys have had career highs and goals scored playing for him, but now he's gone. So it's going to be interesting to see what Azed does now, who they bring in as the manager, and how it's going to affect Johansson. Uh, I don't think it, I, it shouldn't affect him much. He's you know he's playing with confidence. He's playing well. And I think he's just going to keep going. How okay? The, the rumors are coming out, or reports are coming out that teams are interested in him. Do you see him staying for the whole season, or do you see him maybe leaving in the winter transfer window? Oh, I don't think he's leaving. I don't. I think. Think about it, right? If you're Azed, you just signed this guy a year ago. There's a good chance he could be on the World Cup team for the U.S. next summer. Why in the world would you even think about selling him now? You're playing well. He's your leading scorer. Keep him on. The, you bought him. You bought him to replace Josie Altidore. You got that money for Josie Altidore, big money from Sunderland. Why do you need to sell him? And then remember, Azed not only sold Josie Altidore, they also they also sold Adam Mayer to PSV. That's two big two big players that they sold. They're two best players last year. They sold them both. They have that money. So there is no rush to sell Aaron Johansson. And I know there's a supposed interest. I know the whole Celtic story that came out. I don't see him going anywhere. I think he's going to play a full year in – for Azed, and it, and you know what? If he has, let's just say hypothetically, he has a world. He go, he makes the World Cup team for the U.S. He plays in the World Cup, plays well. Maybe he scores a couple goals. Then you're talking about a 20 year old, 21 year old striker with who scored a ton of goals in Europe in a good league in the Dutch league, just coming off a good World Cup. Imagine being Azed then, because you you don't even want to know the kind of prices that they could fetch for him in, those, in the summer. So there's no, absolutely no reason to sell him right now. Uh, Brad Guzon continues his impressive season for Aston Villa. He picks up a an assist in the, the game winning assist over Manchester City. And we've seen this before, uh, especially in MLS. I mean, Nick Romano's perhaps one of the best guys at distribution out of the back. And I mean, Brad Guzon, he's having an unbelievable season. The assist he had in there, and I mean, it, it's just it's been great to see him doing well because when you look at the situation he was in about a year ago, and now when you look at him and how he's doing for them now, I mean, it's just it's been fantastic for him over the last you know 10 or so months right well i mean this is again it's funny because you know the last game they, they won a 1-0 and he, he it was totally thanks to him that they you know preserved the shot he made some amazing saves now this time around they do give up a couple goals they're playing a man city team they're supposed to lose to uh and he made five saves he was big for them and then he hits that perfect long ball i mean you could you know I, he could say he drew it up that way but obviously it's a little bit of hit and hope. He saw he saw his guy upfield, hits 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 his teammate in stride, and he scores the winner. And that's just how things are going right now for them. They're in the top half of the table. They're feeling pretty good. Uh, so you know who knows how how this season is going to keep going for him. And I tell you what, in October, uh, we're almost there. We're almost in October. I, I think he's going to get the call for the qualifiers. I think he's going to get the starts in the qualifiers just because I think you know Tim Howard. He plays enough games. He's an older goalkeeper. You have a chance to give him a rest. Why not do it? I think that's what's going to happen, and I think it should happen. Like give give Brad Guzan some games, let let him get some 
uh, games under his belt because you never know. You never know when something happens, when a player can get hurt, and you want to have your backup have some experience. So I think it's a great. it could be a great chance for him to get some games. Before people jump off the deep end, Tim Howard is still the number one, correct? Absolutely. We've, been, we've had this discussion already. Tim Howard is the number one, and he will be the number one uh, for a while now. I, I don't – I mean – if he has a significant dip in form and Brad Guzan just keeps on keeping on, then maybe something can happen next year. But I just don't see that happening. And I, th- I think that's I, – I think it comes back to the whole, you know, everyone loves the new guy. Everyone loves the guy, the backup QB. Everyone loves the, the guy who's not playing. And, look, credit to Brad Guzan. He's playing extremely well. It's not like he's not playing extremely well. Tim Howard's playing well too. And he's just a more polished keeper he organizes the defense. He's a, he's a better organizer, a better communicator, better command of his penalty area. He's still the better goalkeeper for now. Braguzan's time is coming. It's not there. It's not here now. Not yet. Not for the national team. Uh, staying in England, Josie Altidore with the new manager got the start for Sunderland in a 3-1 loss to Liverpool. Josie did not show up on the score sheet, but uh, I thought he showed a really good game. And, and we talked about this, about Josie becoming a complete four. He dropped out of the box. Distribution was, el- was there. excuse me. And for Sunderland, Ivis, I just, they just don't have the quality. And for people dogging on Josie Altidore, he had a good game. And the, the, the Sunderland, they just, they just not have a they just weren't. They just didn't have enough quality in the final third. I mean, is that a fair assessment of Altidore's performance in this match? Right. I thought he played well, and I, I thought it was funny just to see some of the criticism aimed at him for this game, and and, and apparently some some fans in Sunderland uh, were not happy with him, and maybe were kind of blaming him for the team's inability to get more uh, get more goals in that game. But I mean, I I saw a guy, I saw a player. He's all alone on an island playing in this four five one. And just and he just didn't get good service at all. And I mean, he fought really hard, put himself in good spots. He provided a target. They just did not take advantage of it. Now, did, does that mean he had a perfect game? Otherwise, no, definitely does not mean that. But he played well. And and I and just hearing some of the complaints and some of the criticisms, I honestly feel like there's just some people who just they view him in a in a negative light, and and they they hold him to just a ridiculous standard. I don't know what forward. Could have played in that same spot, and 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 been that much more effective with the ridiculously bad service that that Sunderland's midfield w- was providing. So, I, I would say this: Sunderland played better. Mm-hmm. And I know some people are like, oh, consolation prize. What is this youth soccer? Look, no. The point is they showed progress. The point is they showed signs of life. The point is that after the horrendous start to the year, they have some qualities. They had they played well. They pushed Liverpool. I know the final score might not have shown it, but they pushed Liverpool. They gave they you know they they took it to them. And I, if you have you trying to find something to hold on to as a Sunderland team sitting at the bottom of the table, I think they can take that away from this game that they showed progress. And if they play that well, if they play at that level, I think there's there's quite a few teams they'll beat. And I, I agree with that completely, 100%. Uh, some bad news, though, uh, in Europe. Jermaine Jones looks like he's out with an injury. What's the latest on that, Ivis? Well, it's a weird one. You know, he, he didn't play well this weekend. The uh, shock had tied Hoffenheim. Uh, they were winning. They blew the lead. He, he, he was kind of seen as one of the reasons they blew the lead. Uh, and, and then uh, it looks like he was going to be suspended by the team, and, and so he took the opportunity to have surgery. He's like, oh, you're going to suspend me? All right, well, you know what? Guess what? I need surgery. My knee's bothering me. I'm going to go get surgery. 
He is out for six weeks now, which rules him out of the uh, the upcoming qualifiers, which I was saying from day one, I didn't see him coming in. And now, well, now he's not because he's injured, but I just never saw him coming in. And now, now that that's format, now that that formality is out of the way, now we can start looking ahead to, to who we'll see in the midfield for those games for the World Cup qualifiers in October. And we could also see Michael Bradley not there either because he has yet to really he has yet to return from his ankle injury. And now we're only a few weeks away from that qualifier, so we could see a, a whole new central midfield for those games in October. Uh, and down in Mexico, Tijuana and Puebla, six Americans played uh, in that game. I mean, that, that's awesome to see six Americans playing in a Mexican league game. Right. I mean, it, we saw this on the schedule. We knew what it was going to be. Uh, I, I was pretty impressed with Puebla. I got to say, they, they really took it to Tijuana. The field was atrocious. It looked like there was some, I, I think they had played American football on it. Um, but it, it was just completely torn up. But, you know, credit to Puebla. They played through it. Uh, they put two goals on them, and they shut down Tijuana's attack. And, again, Tijuana is struggling. Their offense is not not clicking. Uh, they're, they're getting Hercules Gomez into the mix now, so that should help them. Uh, but my, interesting takeaways from that game, I thought Orozco played well. I thought Beasley played well. Uh, Joe Corona got the start, his first start in five Liga MX games. But then he got pulled at halftime. Uh, and part of that was, you know, ineffectiveness, and, and part of it was also the fact they just weren't even trying to play in the middle of the field because the middle of the field was that awful. That both teams were pretty much working the wings. Uh, they put in Paul Ariola, who didn't really get involved either. Uh, it was a pretty forgettable game for the Tijuana guys in general, uh, but a big win for Puebla and uh, and some really good results, I thought. I mean, performances for Orozco and uh, Beasley. Well, we reached the SBI Q&A. Everyone who listens to the show, you know what to do. Send us a question on Twitter, hashtag AskTheSBIShow at any time of the day, 8 in the morning, 1 in the afternoon, 3 o'clock in the morning, if you're up that late doing whatever you're doing. Send it on Twitter. Ivis and I always check Twitter, so we, uh, so we look at all your guys' questions. First question comes from Steve Hidalgo. What's happening with Roger, Robbie Rogers in L.A.? It's a good question. Uh, you know, he's not. He's not. Uh, he hasn't really stepped in and filled the void. Yeah. Uh, left by Mike McGee, and right now that's not looking like a great trade for LA. And obviously, at the time, I don't know many people that thought it was an amazing trade. Uh, McGee obviously has to be traded. Uh, I, I mean, I thought I thought he could come in and give them an option on the wing to help give them a little bit of a different look uh, in their midfield, but you know he's, he's struggling right now to get to make an impact in that and that's a big that's a big blow for them because i think they need they need they need in there because ideally i think if you're LA you want to have Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan up top playing in front of a midfield that actually can provide, can provide some service and, and i don't know if they're getting that right now and i think that's costing them uh these some of these results here that they've had late in the year next question comes from Vincent Sumbri how do you see the situations of Josie and Bradley shaping before January? Before January? Yes, before January. Well, it's a tough one. Michael Bradley's hurt. He still hasn't made his way back. Meanwhile, Roma is absolutely crushing it in Serie A right now. They're undefeated. They're in first place. Uh, they're playing really well. Uh, the players that are playing in his position are playing really well. Kevin Strootman and um, I'm blanking right now on uh, – I always forget his name. Oh, there you go. Daniela De Rossi. So it, it's not going to be easy for him to get back in that mix. And I would not be shocked if he makes a move in January. And here's why. I know some people will say, why would you leave Roma? Especially if they're playing so well. 
they're they're winning the league. They're they're looking so good. They have a coach. They have a manager who's really good. Why would you leave? You leave because you need playing time. It's a World Cup year. Michael Bradley can't afford to be a spectator this year. This is not a year for that to happen. So I, I think if he doesn't, if he can't get, if he can't fight his way into that lineup, if he can't get on the field, if he can't get minutes between now and January, I absolutely think he makes a move in January. I can see him going to England. I, you know, they have the money to make a deal like that, and I think it could happen. So I, I think keep an eye out for that because I, I just don't see him staying through January and into the spring and still be on Rome if he's not getting some minutes now. Next question comes from Christopher Scrogans. Does JJ surgery mean we finally get to see the Bradley Cameron pairing we've been hoping for for the U.S. men's national team? Well, I got to say, I don't know if Bradley's going to be back. You know, that's kind of a question mark right now. If he's back, I think yes, we'll see Bradley Cameron. But if not, maybe we'll see Bradley Beckerman, Ooh, or like maybe, that. or maybe we'll see. Uh, I mean, not Bradley Beckerman, uh, Cameron Beckerman, or maybe how about a Cameron mixed discrude combo? You know, that's a, you know something something to look at. So the point is, there's options, and even though Jermaine Jones is out, even though Michael Bradley might be out, I think there's still going to be options and a good enough team to get a result and play well against Jamaica. Next question comes from El Capacino. Grant Wall just joined Instagram. How is Ivis stepping up his social media game? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I, I joined <laughs> – I've, I've had Instagram for a while. I've started to, to update more regularly in the past few months, actually. Uh, back in August, well, before I went to Peru, I, I, I fired it back up and got it going, and it's going pretty well. We're, we're you know, I'm putting up some stuff here and there. I just put up a video tonight of the Marcus Holgerson handball, and I thought it was pretty clear – uh, from the replay that, that I was able to capture, that it was a ball. So, you know, I'm going to try to update a little more, try to update more often on Instagram. And and obviously Facebook, our Facebook page, you know, we, we've got it going. So anyone who has yet to like our Facebook page, please go to uh, the Soccer Bibles Facebook, Facebook page and like it. Uh, one other area is Google+. Plus. I need to get on that. We have we have a page as it is, but, we you know, it's not being updated yet. I'm still... It's on the list of things to do. There's a lot going on, obviously, uh, between the site, everything going on with the site, and obviously my new gig, Gold.com. So it's a lot to it's a lot to deal with. But I'm I'm keeping up on my on my social media game. You know, I got the uh, the SI 100 last week, which is pretty big, pretty sweet. Uh, uh, it's big time honor. It was a pretty sweet honor, I got to say. I'm uh, I'm still pretty happy about that. But you were between oh, uh, the the Olympic swimmer and the San Francisco Giants. There you go. What's her name? Missy Franklin, I think. Missy Franklin. Yeah, yeah. Right. she's only like a multiple gold medalist. So, but uh, but yeah, no, it was cool. It was cool. So uh, yeah, I, I got to step it up. Instagram. I'm going to try to update more, and uh, hopefully the Facebook page. We can start kicking it up a few notches. Yeah, but what's what's your uh, Instagram? What are you at? What, what's the uh, username? It is my name, my full name, Ivis Galarsep. Just put it all together, and there you are. I, I probably should have thought of something a little more clever, but like there you cl- go. like cleverly to do. Yeah, no. <laughs> so there you go. So if you follow me on Instagram. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to update every now and then uh, with some good, with some cool photos. Everyone can follow me on Instagram at g c l e v e r for non Real Salt Lake pictures. Uh, next question comes from Chris McGuffin. What do you think is the Galaxy's biggest weakness? Well, I think it's predictability. Maybe predictability in their attack and losing Mike McGee obviously hurt. They traded Mike McGee. They went and got Robbie Rogers. Robbie Rogers hasn't really panned out as that guy who can 
give them a different dynamic, give them that really strong, dangerous wing presence. He's not quite doing that. So I think they need a Jose Real to step up. They need someone to step up because it can't just be Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan. It can't just be those two. And that was the thing. Before it was Keane, Donovan, Beckham, McGee. You had four guys. You had four guys in your attack that could give you a variety. You could give Beckham could hit the long balls. Mike McGee could score off the wing. He could combine well. You could have those nice triangle combinations with Keane, Donovan, and either McGee or Beckham. But now with Beckham gone, Mike McGee gone, Robbie Rogers not really getting it done. There's a big void there, and I think it's hurting them. And obviously you have Jossie Zardes, a rookie who's still working out the kinks. He's still raw. He's still kind of growing as a player. He's not there yet. That's the problem. I think the Galaxy by now either needed Robbie Rogers to, to really – Return to his best form, or they needed either they needed Villarreal or Jossie Zardes to be really blossoming right now, and they haven't had any of these things happen. Clock's ticking. Playoffs are a month away, and right now they're a little they're a little predictable. I gotta say their attack's a little predictable. Look at LA right now; they're on a four match winless streak, and as well as Landon Donovan is playing, as far as his you know the whole Gold Cup qualifiers, best form of his life. Yada yada, they if they don't get in a third and a fourth guy who can offer them something to help variety, give, provide variety in the attack, they're going to lose. They're going to lose early. I think they could get knocked off in the playoffs. They get Portland in the playoffs, they're going to lose. I, I think Portland absolutely could knock them off. And look, obviously Portland as a team doesn't have the playoff experience. LA's got. You know, whether it's Omar, Omar Gonzalez, Juninho, Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, all those guys have been through all this. But if their attack is this predictable, it'll be easy to shut down. Portland's only allowed one goal in three games to L.A. this year. So L.A. needs to figure it out. They need their youngsters to step up. They need Robbie Rogers to step up. They need someone else to step up because it can't just be the it can't just be Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan. Next question comes from Eric Fox. How many points do you think Seattle needs from their last games to win the Supporter Shield? Well, let's see. Five games. They got five games left. They need 15. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> win the Supporter Shield? No. I'd say uh, I'm going to go 10. I'm going to go 10 points. I think 10 points, they, they get it. I mean, look, the Red Bulls could run a table, right? If they, um, well, that's the thing. If, if they get 10 points... If Seattle can get 10 points out of their main schedule, then the Red Bulls would have to run the table and they would be tied on points. So I think I do think I think 10 points. I don't think the Red Bulls are going to run the table. I think Real Salt Lake's another story, obviously. Real Salt Lake could, could also uh, threaten to run the table. But I think 10 points gets Seattle the supporter shield. Next question comes from M. Floyd. What is the difference between Seattle turf and Portland's? Any talk of a Seattle soccer-specific field? Uh, the Portland turf is just better. It's it's a it's I think it's a newer it's a newer type of of, of synthetic turf, uh, uh, artificial turf. Uh, it's it has more give. I think it's it's a little it has a little more of a feel of of grass apparently. So it, it's it is why you know Henri played there and, and you know, he's willing to play on that on that surface and, and, and it's I think it's widely considered a better turf. I think you have I think Portland's is the best. Seattle's kind of in that middle, and then New England's is the worst anywhere. So, 
There you go. Next question, question excuse me, comes from Chris Dalton. Thoughts on the status of Du and Shea not even cracking the 18 in any competition? Well, I got to say, well, with, with, with Breck Shea, I don't know if, it's, if he's even really been healthy the whole time. So I think that you got a case of him kind of falling behind and now struggling to crack that group. Um, so that, that's a tough one. He's, he's a bit of a tough one. Maurice Du, I think, uh, I just don't see him getting in there, getting minutes. I mean, Wilson Palacios is a really good player. Wilson Palacios can't even get on the, can't even get on the field for Stoke City, and he plays a similar position. So uh, I know apparently that Maurice Du turned down some offers in this fall in this in the in the fall uh, to move on, and I think he should have done that. I, th- I think he should have done that because I don't know if he's going to get an opportunity uh, at Stoke City. I think I think he has to go somewhere in January, and I think. I think Brett Shea is going to have to think about a loan move because I just don't know if there are minutes for, for him to, to, to find at Stoke City uh, this year. Next question comes from Weston. John, is this the year that an MLS squad wins CONCACAF Champions League? How important is a top seed for LA for an at-home second leg? Well, I think I think if you're LA, you want to finish you want to finish as strong as you can because you, so you can get a bit of a, a, a easier quarterfinal opponent. Uh, the second leg, I think, does matter. I think it's an important thing in in, in Concacaf. So, uh, LA just won. They just want to win out. They just want to win out, and then also deal with the balance of, of competing on two fronts with, between the Champions League and the MLS playoffs. And the final question, Ivis, comes from Trevor Moore. Who do you blame for the disappointment in Chicago? Front Opolis or Frank Klopas? Uh, I don't think the front office did enough in the offseason, you know. I, I mean, I know they made some moves that looked on the surface like, hey, these could work out. Uh, but it was a bit of a slow start. Can you blame Klopas? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't I don't think they opened up the checkbook really uh, in the offseason. Uh, now they have. Obviously, they went and traded for Mike McGee. So you got you to gotta give Chicago front office credit. They went and got Mike McGee. They went and got Baki Samari. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, I just think that early, that rough early start, uh, really put him in a hole and, and uh, made things a lot tougher. It's not, it's not over yet. Obviously, they could still make it. And with the schedule they have, there's no excuses. They absolutely should be able to to, to rattle off some wins and wins in out of those games. If they don't do that, then then you have to ask ask some questions about that team and, and, and about who, if anyone should should uh, get fired for that. Ivis, the SBI Q&A is officially done for this show. Before we wrap up the show and do our traditional 10 goodbyes like we always do because, you know, you and I hate hanging up on each other. Um, anything else that we failed to talk about on today's show? Uh, I think we covered it all. You know, it was, it was a pretty uh, pretty busy weekend all around. I mean, you had, uh, obviously, international soccer, uh, club soccer. You had Man United losing to West Brom, Man City losing to Aston Villa. Arsenal is on top of the table, and Arsenal fans cannot <laughs> shut up about it. I know it. it's so annoying. They're, yeah, I mean, I mean, look. You got, on one hand, you can you can appreciate the fact that they've been suffering quite a bit uh, through the years, uh, all these trophyless seasons, and now there's this hope, the signs of, of of a possible you know turnaround. So that's that's interesting to watch. Real Madrid losing, uh, being upset. Uh, the, well, not be upset. I mean, Atletico Madrid is a strong team, so. But still, losing uh, the the Madrid derby is a big blow. Uh, Lionel Messi getting hurt for Barcelona—that's a tough one. Obviously, he's not going to be there for Champions League uh, in the upcoming fixtures. But still, Barcelona still rolling. Uh, and, and I'm looking—I don't know—I haven't looked checked the schedule yet, but 
I'm looking forward to that Barcelona Atletico Madrid matchup the first time they get to play. Uh, lastly, Italy Roma is running is running the show right now. They they, they can't lose. Uh, they're dominating, and it's like on one hand you look you look at that and you think, wow, you, you got to take your hat off to the to the manager for really getting them uh, rolling. And, and it, if anything, it makes you feel a little. If you're an MLS fan, you're feeling a little better about the All Star game. Because, hey, let's face it, Roma destroyed the MLS All-Stars. It was pretty ugly. But now you're looking at it, Roma's destroying everyone in, in Serie A. So, that, you know, it's, it's, it's a little – it puts a little context for you because that team, when we saw – you know, when I saw them and anyone who saw them against the All-Star, All-Star team, you were like, wow, this is a good team. How good is it? Well, now, well, now we know. They're, they're crushing it in Serie A. Uh, and, and you want to see how long they can keep that going? Yes. Well, I was, uh, that wraps up the show, man. Uh, I think, is that it? Well, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we just ran a marathon and we're all worn out. We have nothing else to say. Uh, well, you know, I'm still adjusting to the time change for myself, so it's already oh, it's already pa- it's already past my bedtime. It's like an hour difference. What are you talking that's, about? That is a huge difference, man. Huge difference. That's, everything that's... everything is so different over here. It's everything starts late. It it goes later at night. It's bizarre, man. I can't keep up with it. It's strange. What about the what about the watered down beer? Have you have you have you dealt with that yet? You know the one thing they have out here is is yeah you know I've I've had a chance actually I tried Nick Romano has a beer someone told me to try it and I did try it it was it was okay but uh, they sell all their hard liquor like wine and liquor at like state run liquor stores that's what, I always find that interesting they also when I was in, in Norway they do the same thing too and in like the the I can't remember the name uh, that they call it, but they call it like why monopoly translates to English like it's a state run thing so it's always interesting to go to like a government run liquor store they have those out here so it was, it was kind of interesting right well I can tell you my first my first uh, Salt Lake experience uh, however many years ago it was at uh, I forget what event uh, I don't know if it was back, the Champions back League the, back on the Oregon Trail right that was your first experience okay first of all Real Salt Lake hasn't been around that long okay <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> it's only been around like eight years um, but anyway so I remember I was, I was with some friends uh, another uh, fellow reporter cranking out some cranking out some uh, stories after a, a Real Salt Lake game it might have been the Real, the, it might have been the opening of their stadium. And I remember having a case, like me and my, me and, and the reporter friend, we had like a case of beer, uh, and we're drinking. Yes, we were drinking and writing. I'll confess, we all do it. Uh, but I just remember, you know, I'm writing my story and I'm finishing up, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to start drinking. So I start drinking. And I had a couple beers, and 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 I just remember thinking, man, like I should probably be drunk right now. I don't feel a thing. And I didn't know until after the fact that like the beer. They sell in some parts of the of Utah are, is like way has way less alcohol content. Uh, so you, I guess you have to know where to go or make sure you get the good stuff. But uh, uh, that's one of the kind of one of my memories about uh, about Salt Lake. Also, the red iguana. And if, if you go to Real Salt, if you go to Salt Lake, you go to Real Salt Lake game. You got to go to Red Iguana, amazing restaurant. I went there the last time when I was there for the. Uh, for the qualifier uh, in June, and it was outstanding. I recommend that to everybody. Perfect. I'll just expense that on the SBI credit card. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Never get your hands on that, buddy. <laughs> well, Ivis, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll be at the game on Tuesday, the U.S. Open Cup game for anyone who will be looking for that. It will be on Goal TV. Remember, it's Goal TV. It's still around, so you have to look for it. But if you don't have Goal TV, follow me on Twitter. I'll be tweeting the game or anyone else that will be at the game. Ivis, that wraps up the show today, man. You have a you have a good day, and uh, I'll talk to you after the U.S. Open Cup final. 
Yes, sir. And uh, enjoy that final. And uh, make sure you take a lot of pictures there with you and all your Real Salt Lake family. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll, I guess we'll be back on Wednesday. And we'll, 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 uh, we can, you can give us the full recap. From Wait, you don't want to do a show Tuesday? Oh, right. That's right. I might, I might be partying too much after, after that game. <laughs> Yeah, you might. Yeah, that, the whole one AM curfew they got there—you can, uh, can party like a rock star. I know everyone was like, "Is like, oh, I was I was talking to some people because I was excited to come up here f- for work because I've never been to Salt Lake before. We were in Park City the past couple of days. I mean, Park City, beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. And everyone's like, "Go exploring, go explore Salt Lake." And I'm like, "Man, Salt Lake City on a Sunday? I really don't think there's much happening on Salt Lake on a Sunday." So hopefully. The next two nights, uh, well, Monday and then the U.S. Open Cup. I'm excited to see the fans and all that fun stuff. It'll be it'll be a good experience. Well, well, hey, wait, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. I will remind you of one thing you can do while you're out there. Mm-hmm. You can scout out potential venues for the SBI show MLS Cup party in case Real Salt Lake hosts the final. It's an ab- it's absolutely a possibility. Uh, and you know, it's probably—I don't know if it's at the top of the list of potential uh, uh, potential markets for for a, a party, but I'm sure there's some good, some good places there to have a party. So maybe try to try to scope out some spots for us. Uh, I'm have my fingers crossed for a final in Seattle, L.A., or New York. So, uh, wow. but I'll, I'll try to I'll try to do. Sorry, no so offense. Let, no no offense. Everybody the- <laughs> know. You're just gonna let everybody know that you're rooting against their team. Oh, I mean, come on. What do you want? What do you want me to say? I mean, come on. I, I mean, I, I've never been to Seattle, so I want to go there. And then New York and L.A. I mean, come on. I'm being honest. I'm being real here. I'm not, I'm not. All right, let's get. You know what? Let's keep it real. I know we're gonna we're extending the show a little bit as we always do. But let's <laughs> think on. about let's think about top five best potential party destinations. Chi- for Chicago wouldn't be that bad either. Miami, Miami. Why, why can't Miami make a bid for the? Right, for the cup? Come being on. ridiculous. Okay, Chicago is not gonna host the final. They're, they got they they barely make the playoffs. They're not gonna get to host the final. Uh, let's see, Seattle, Seattle, you know what, I, I, I've partied in Seattle uh, toward the end of the, at an MLS Cup, I know they can get it done, and I'm sure they'd have oh. some cool, cool venues we could we could check out, Kansas City, I've partied in Kansas City, They the, the folks in KC definitely not a party, so that wouldn't be a bad one, and then obviously LA, you know, we did we did it big in LA two years ago, our, our SBI party that we had at uh, MLS Cup in, uh, in 2011, so there's a history there, and obviously if it's in New York, that's, uh, you know. I'll be home, so you know I'm sure I'll be able to find a pretty good venue for us to have a party. Well, so I, see, pretty- my, I chose my cities based off people I know who live in those cities. I could crash at their place. That that's why. So I don't know anyone <laughs> in Kansas City or I don't. I mean Dallas. I know people. You know I know some people in Dallas. You know, but Houston. I don't know anyone there. So that that's why I'm basing my list of of teams Whoa. I want to go because you know I, I'm raking enough people I would like to see. Well, <laughs> you'll be all right. You'll you'll, you'll have a place. Talk- no matter where it is, you'll have a place to stay. That you don't have to worry about. I'm and, no, and no, you're not crashing at my place. I'll get you a hotel before you have that happen. That's, that's good, Ivis, because you know God knows what could happen in my room late at night. So I mean, I don't want you there, you know, being old and going to bed at you know being early old. and stuff like that. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I like it. Well, we all know your curfew's nice and early, so uh, <laughs> it is, man. Your curfew. You don't have a curfew, Ivis. You're like uh, there's a famous. I can't remember. There was like a famous guy that would only sleep he, he made he you have like this sleep pattern where you only sleep like like two hour segments throughout the day i can't i'll have to look it up there's like this famous 
scientist that that he did it for a while and that was his routine. That's kind of like what you do. We should we should call it like that's the only, sleep. That, that's only sleep matter. It's only lately. It's only lately. I, I'm hopefully breaking out of that this week because I, I can't take it anymore. I want to go to sleep at midnight and I want to wake up at six a.m. That I just want to do that every single day. That's why I keep saying let's record the show during the day. We could act. We we could actually have guests. All right, we're gonna work on that. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I know. We, we 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 you and I need to get some guests back on the show. Yes, I know everybody misses that. <laughs> I don't know. No, people are uh, hit and miss, but but I think it's good though to get get perspective, especially with the playoffs coming up. You know, it's gonna be good to hear some guys and their takes on everything. Um, I miss that. Uh, we've <laughs> we bantered for another five minutes, like we always do. Rambling. It's what we do. I know. It's good. It's it's good. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I think everyone else does too. Well, that like okay. This officially wraps up the show. Ivis, I will talk to you later this week after the US Open Cup final. Yes, sir. Have fun out there. Thank you, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for your questions, your reviews on iTunes. We got a new one, so thank you whoever gave us the new review on iTunes and uh, and everything else you guys do. And always check out the website, soccerbyivis.net. Thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show.